Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you here joining us in the Live Inspired Movement. Today, we have the pleasure of sharing a new friend with you. Her name, Rachel Cruz. She's the daughter of a man who shines a pretty bright light and casts a pretty mighty shadow himself. His name is Dave Ramsey. This one-time lawnmower is a nationally syndicated radio show host. He's a national best-selling author many times over. He's a personal finance guru. And I'm also lucky enough to call this gentleman my friend. His name is Dave Ramsey. The Dave Ramsey Show is aired on 578 stations. It's the third largest talk radio show in the nation and enjoys nearly 13 million listeners a week. Dave will share some amazing and simple insights on how to better manage your money, how to better manage your life, and how to better lead and manage your business. But most of all, Dave is so used to being on the other side of the microphone interviewing people, you are going to love hearing from him as a guest. Are you ready? You ready to light this thing up? My friends, welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast. My friend, a dear mentor of mine, his name is Dave Ramsey. Wow, I'm here. This is so cool. Thank you for having me. You made it, man. I did it. You finally have have achieved success. I've been working on it. (laughs) Well, Rachel is casting a pretty mighty shadow herself. She's part of the Ramsey team. She's the author of two best-selling books. She's an accomplished speaker. She's a passionate teacher. And her latest project is the release of her YouTube show, The Rachel Cruz Show. Rachel Cruz helps Americans learn the proper ways to handle money and stay out of debt. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's an awesome lady, and she's a personal friend. So my friends... Open wide your hearts, open wide your minds and your journals. Get buckled up because this is going to be an awesome ride. Rachel Cruz, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Thank you, John. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. This is great. I, uh, as you know, am a huge fan of the work that you do and the work that your family does. But for the the three listeners who don't know the name Dave Ramsey or Rachel Cruz, (laughs) do those three a favor and uh, give us a snapshot of who you are and the kind of work you do today. Yeah, sure. Well, we um, are part of Ramsey Solutions. So dad started this whole company, gosh, probably, it doesn't sound, 25-ish years ago. Um, It started with a radio show and some books all around helping people gain control of their money and really uh, get out of debt is one of our big mantras and how to save. And it's just really common sense approach on how to handle your money. And so he started that and the radio show and the books, all of his, his brand really took off and um, is well known in that area. And I, alongside of him, kind of you know grew up learning all of this. And so when I decided um, after college to kind of make this my gig, 
Uh, I always enjoyed speaking, and I enjoyed writing and talking to people and the subject. So I've come alongside him, and in the last eight years or so, I have been doing kind of similar work as him, Mm -hmm. just a little bit with a different uh, tone. (laughs) He's he's like your your (laughs) fun-loving, hard uncle, and I'm your friend. No, (laughs) the approach uh, I like to say. (laughs) Fun-loving. I'm not sure Dave Ramsey is my fun-loving uncle. He is. He's my disciplinarian that keeps me walking the straight line. Yeah, maybe a little bit too. Tells you what you need to know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's been. uh, uh, it's been great because really at the bottom the bottom of everything we do, we say is that we give hope to people. And money is such a topic that a lot of people have lost hope and they have no idea where to go. I mean, there's thousands of messages, thousands mm-hmm. of directions people say you need to go when it comes to your finances. And we just try to give a clear path, one that we know will help people win and gain control and lower stress uh, all around their personal finances. You know, we are going to be talking a bit today about personal finances and winning in that area. But before we get there, I want to go back to childhood. Many of us are followers or fans or at least aware of the name Dave Ramsey. And yet you have an intimate look into his life because you're his baby girl. So talk about dad for a little bit. Talk about growing up in the Ramsey household. Yeah, I think people assume when they hear I'm Dave Ramsey's kid that we had like mutual fund parties, like <laughs> budget camps in the summer and like all this like crazy nerdy stuff when it comes to money. But we honestly, um, I always tell people we lived a very, very, very normal life. Mom and dad uh, were great about teaching us how money works, mm-hmm. but it was never this obsession or this overwhelming conversation. Um, but when it comes to, yeah, dad himself, I mean, really what you see is what you get. I mean, the same Dave, if you see on TV or on stage or on the radio is, it's, it's him. I mean, that's that's who I grew up with, and he is probably one of the most um, encouraging people I've ever met. He grew up. His parents always told him from as, as far back as he can remember. He always says they always said you can do anything you want, like very Zig Ziglar esque, mm-hmm. right? Like kind of like the the seventies, eighties motivational stuff is what he grew up with, and so he kind of passed that language on to us. And so, I mean, I can remember. Um, you know, from early on, just being told, you know, whatever you've set your mind to, you can be great at, whether that's a stay-at-home mom, whether that's a uh, investment professional, whether you're, you know, um, you know, working at church, wherever you are in life, whatever you do, you can do really great work and you can go do anything you want. And so he's very, very encouraging and always has been. And so that part, um, people hear sometimes on the radio, I think, but um, some people miss that side of him. And so, yeah, he's, um, he's great. I mean, awesome dad. He's now a grandfather. We mm-hmm. have, I guess, probably five or how many? <laughs> I probably should know this, John. I think one, two, three, four, five grandkids. And um, yeah, we, you yeah, were told there'd be no math during this podcast. <laughs> I know, right. Exactly. I'm like counting on my fingers. I'm like, how many <laughs> right. kids do we all have together? So bad. But, um, but yeah, he's awesome. And my mom is fantastic. Sharon, I mean, she, she doesn't like the spotlight. She doesn't really care to be on stage or in front of stuff. So a lot of people don't see her, but if you know them personally, she's one of those people and probably very few can really take Dave on. I mean, mm-hmm. can just keep on, keep on and share Ramsey can, and she's the best woman on the planet for him. So, so yeah, they're, they're great. So thankful to, to grow up in such a, um, you know, I was going to say stable and healthy environment, which it was, but yes. everyone all, you know, we all have our, our crazy dysfunctional parts of our family. So that's there too, for sure. Uh, everywhere. And, and so uh, two years ago, I had the honor of speaking at a Ramsey event. I shared the stage with Dave afterwards, had dinner with him and as delightful as Dave is, and he, 
Your dad allowed me to bring my wife to the event and to dinner afterwards. It was a blast. But as delightful as that was, the star of the night was Sharon. It's it's her humility and her sincerity and the way she could harness Dave's power and kind of pull him back a little bit or elevate it when it needed to go up. So I'd like you to, for a moment, to brag about someone that's not bragged about, I don't think, enough. Talk about your mom. Yes. Oh, gosh. She's fantastic. I mean, just to, like, paint a picture of her, because a lot of people don't know her. She grew up in the hills of East Tennessee, so on a farm, country, everything was grown homemade and churned butter. So like the work ethic that came out of her was like literal physical work. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, she's been working since she was, you know, a kid in that sense. And so, um, she is the ultimate mom in that regard. I mean, she knows how to cook anything you want to want to have. She's a hard worker. I mean, I always grew up, um, you know, people, I think, assume what our lifestyle was like, and it was nothing probably how people assume because mom and dad, they filed bankruptcy actually the month or the year I was born. And so it took them a while to dig out of that. And so I did not grow up, especially, you know, elementary school, middle school, and even high school with this extravagant lifestyle. And I can remember mom deciding that she wanted to have someone help come clean, like every other week, you know, have someone come in and deep clean. Mm-hmm. And she kept, like, firing people because she was like, they just do not clean the way that I clean. They did not get – I mean, she's, like, so, so hardworking, and it's just – it makes me laugh. I'm like, Mom, you're so detailed and that kind of thing. And she's just, like, the ultimate um, – I hate to say homemaker because that sounds like 1950s, but she is. She was a stay-at-home mom, and she just was fantastic support for us as kids and for my dad. But, but her, who she is, I mean, she is so – strong and humble and kind and uh is just absolutely fantastic i mean she's become really a great friend in a sense you know for us adult kids that's one thing my parents have done a great job and i say this to them all the time they've done such a great job with that transition from when your kids are out of the house and out of your care and now they're their own person right i mean they're Mm -hmm. out with their own jobs and now married and have their own kids And I have some friends that their parents still parent. I mean, they're still over them and they're still, you know, somewhat needy. It feels like some parents are over their kids, even adult kids. And so mom and dad have not done that. I mean, they've totally let us live our lives, but yet are there when we need them. And I think that just creates a really beautiful relationship. So now as an adult, I can like look at my parents, both my mom and my dad. I'm like, I'm just like, I love hanging out with them. Like they're just fun. And it's been a really, really sweet season for all of us as a family. It's been really great. Rachel, what did your mom and dad teach you about work ethic? That work is a verb. <laughs> it's something you do. <laughs> yeah, we grew up, um, we were never given an allowance as kids. We were always on commission. So Talk about that. Work, I know paid. it's a big deal for you, but what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like an allowance, right? You're just allowed money because you breathe. Like, you're just part of the family. We're going to hand you a 20 when you ask. If you need a five, we'll just give it to you. And that never happened uh, growing up. So, it was always this idea that you have to do chores. You have things you have to do. And if you do them, we'll pay you on them. And that's how you earn money. Or if you don't do them, you don't get paid. And then as we got older, we were expected to do some things out of the house. You know, I always kind of leaned more towards babysitting in that thing versus like working at the mall. I just learned I could make a whole lot more doing that. So, you know, we, mm-hmm. but we always had some kind of responsibility outside, outside the home when it came to that. And it was, it was a big deal. And it was such a gift now that I look back that they gave us because parents, and I'm a parent, I, you know, my, my oldest is only three and I look at her and I'm like, man, it's so easy to just to like say, Hey, I, I want you to have fun in life. And 
you know, just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. And when you have to push them to pick up their toys and start that even early on, even at three years old, it's exhausting as a parent. So I totally get when parents are kind of hands off in this topic of life because it's hard to engage them. It's hard when they don't want to do it and you push them and you, and you make them do it. Um, but man, that pays off greatly because it's sad. And John, I know you're probably like this. We've met 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, even 50-year-olds who still don't understand this concept that you have to work to make money, and that's how you make money. And it's um, it's such a foundational principle that some people miss as they're, as they're teaching their kids things about life. They miss that element at times. And so it's one that parents out there, if you're listening, it's a great, a great thing um, that sends your kids off into the world and that they have just that strong foundation under them. Why is your family and now you so passionate about debt and managing your money and and really controlling and harnessing that power? You could go in a million different directions, Rachel. Why do you focus on that one? Yeah, I think, you know, the the main thing is that out of our story, this is where pain came. Um, And I know for dad, that was a lot of his motivation um, to start this. And it came very organically. He did not come out on this mission of like, I want to, you know, be, you know, ahead of personal finance in America today, it really came out of, wow, we went bankrupt. We screwed that up. And now I need to go see what the Bible has to say about money. What does common sense say? What does my grandma say about money? You know, you go back to this foundational principle and as people were in need and people needed help, he was there to lend this idea of, hey, this is what I did wrong. And here's what I'm doing right. That's starting to work slowly, but surely it's working. And just out of the, you know, out of our story, that's what's built. And then I have come along and really, um, I I understood what mom and dad were doing as they were teaching us about money growing up, but really going off to college and, and interacting with my peers and seeing not only just student loan debt, but credit card debt choices that they were making, knowing this can affect you. I mean, not only financially, but the habits you're creating now in your life and what's becoming quote unquote normal for you, that's going to carry on for you for decades unless someone intersects your life and decides to change that and you see this new way of doing life. And so, you know, that was a big part of my thing is like, okay, the preventative medicine. Like I saw dad as the emergency surgeon and I can be the preventative medicine. Mm -hmm. And so that's really when I started out um, with this message was talking to high school students and college students of, hey, if you don't make these mistakes now, um, gosh, where you're going to be able to be in the next 10, right. 15 years financially is astronomically different than if you make these mistakes. And so my side came out of out of that after hearing people for I mean, years of my life come up to me and say, I wish I had known this earlier. If only I knew this at 18 years old or 22 years old, my whole life would look different. And so I really took those reins in my head and thought, well, I can I can help with that. And so that's really the motivation, uh, what, what came out of me. And then now my message has really grown with my season of life. And mm-hmm. now it's less high school students and it's more, you know, moms in their, in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And it's like, hey, how do we live a great life? And, you know, some people are working, some people are home, some people have kids, some people don't. Um, and really just this idea of how, how do you live this great life? So my message is the deep motivation of what drives me. Your book, and you, I think you co-wrote it with your dad. It's called Smart Money, Smart Kids. My wife and I read it together. And about halfway through, you talk about why you went to the school you went to for college. And it seems so obvious, but I would have thought that the daughter of Dave Ramsey and Sharon Ramsey could go anywhere in the world, anytime she wanted to go there, would do that. And yet you decided to stay somewhat local. You stayed in state. Why did you make that decision? 
it was the only decision, <laughs> the only choice I had. <laughs> yeah, dad and mom both. I mean, I, and I knew this from early on. This was not a shock to me when it became my senior year of high school. It was always that you're going to stay in-state and we'll pay for your college, but we'll pay the in-state tuition. And if you want to go out of state or if you want to go to a private school, you can pay the difference. We'll still pay what an in-state school will pay, um, but you have to find scholarships and grants um, or save up the money and pay for it. Because, and the truth is, you know, a public university mm-hmm. in Tennessee is the same type of public university you're going to get in Mississippi or or Alabama or North Carolina. I mean, anywhere, you know, or even California, right? I mean, you could go any state public school is pretty much the same thing. And yeah, dad's whole thing was like, I'm not going to pay three times as much for you to step over a state line and be quote unquote cool for going to another school than your friends. And, and I do, I remember thinking, oh, I want to go to Auburn. That's a, you know, a big SEC school. And I was like, I want to go to Auburn, not UT. Cause all my family went to UT. I'm like, I'm going to go to Auburn. And I just did the simple math of what it would cost me a year to go. And I was like, and I'll be going to the university. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say in state. Um, And not that we're mad at out of state colleges or private colleges. I mean, if you have the money and, or a scholarship or a grant, whatever it is, and you can go, go like, that's great. But just the return on investment overall is you're relatively going to get the same outcome Pretty much speaking, I mean, I say that I say that high level, because then you know this, John. I mean, out in the real world, people don't really look at where you got your degree. Very select fields will, but overall, if you show passion and grit and hard work about the job you're doing, most employers you're going to be you're going to be a great team member. You're going to be moved up. You're going to be promoted, all because of what you're doing, not the the school and the degree you have on your wall. And so that was taught to us very early on, and I believe it. I really do. Um, and so that was a big part of the college choice. Rachel, you, you also mentioned in the book that you saw a whole lot of credit cards being given out almost for free, and, and they would market with T-shirts and pizza. And so I'm curious, they have their angle on providing debt, uh, no strings attached seemingly. Why is the other side of the story not being articulated as, as clearly? I think because some people haven't felt the pain of it. Um, and those that have, I think it is being articulated, but probably within just their circle of, of people. Um, I think that debt in our culture today, it's not only just so normal, but I think that the standard of living and what we expect out of life uh, seems to only be possible through a credit card. And it's like, well, if I'm going to have this type of furniture, if I'm going to wear these type of clothes, have this car, have this type of house, everything our culture says is what life should be. A lot of people think, well, I can't get there unless I go into debt. And so that's where they start out. And, um, I mean, sadly, the statistics show us $15,000 is the average that's owed for uh, Americans on their credit cards. I mean, it's just this – it starts to be this dead end. And I think people start to see that the stuff that they're gathering up when it comes to their credit cards is not making them happy. Mm -hmm. It's not fulfilling what they – believed was going to be fulfilled when they went and charged it. And very, very few people use a credit card for necessities. Mm-hmm. There are there are the people that do. Um, the majority of people, they're using their credit card um, to keep a standard of living, again, that is unattainable for their income. And it truthfully is just filled with a bunch of crap. I mean, like, I even look at my, you know, my things. I don't even have debt, but I look, I'm like, sometimes we just buy a bunch of stuff we don't need. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Because everyone says, well, you have to have this certain size TV. You have, you know, this is, this is normal. This is what you do. And so it's really, it makes you think twice when you're paying with your own money, where a credit card feels like this world of promises. And as you get into it, you realize, well, I'm not fulfilled the way I thought I was. And now financially I'm so in the hole 
um, and I have to climb out of it. And so it's it's so hard because, again, like you said, they paint this picture of something that is is not real at the end. Rachel, your entire organization is about encouraging folks to climb out. But on this podcast, just give us a couple steps that we could take to begin the climb forward. Yes. Well, number one, you can do it. I think a lot of people, again, they feel so bogged down um, when they do look at their credit card statements or their car loans or their student loans. They think, how can I get out of this? So number one, you have to keep in mind that you can do this. Number two, just Tactically speaking, the most effective way to get out of debt is to list out all of your debts, everything but your mortgage, all of your debts, smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate, pay minimum payments on everything, and then pay off your smallest debt first. And make sacrifices. I mean, get an extra job, work later, work overtime, sell things. I mean, do whatever you can to put extra money towards that smallest debt. And then once that's paid off, take all the money you were throwing at that and roll it over to the second smallest. And it's amazing because we have found that people are paying off all of their debt except for their house in 18 to 24 months. Mm. And when you look at the average debt in America, you think, how can someone do that? But what they start to see is, is hope and freedom of this idea that I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. I truly can have money that after I work, I get paid and it's my money now. I don't have to go and pay it out, you know, to 18 different people. I get to keep it all. And it's this empowering feeling and the fact you're doing it the smallest to largest, you're getting these quick wins and you're getting this idea of, wow, this is actually happening. It's actually working. And it's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing when you start to take destiny into your own hands and say, I can actually change my life when I decide to change my life. You've written a book around this. And uh, you've written another book that I think might be the best title I've ever seen on any book ever. <laughs> I love it. I seriously love it. Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Tell me about the title and then why'd you write it? Yes. Well, I was thinking through, you know, okay, am I going to write After Smart Money, Smart Kids? I'm like, okay, do I have my own book one day? Like, what will, will, will it be about? Because Total Money Makeover is dad's big book and it's everything you need yes. to know about money and the step-by-step plan to get out of debt and all of that. And I'm like, you know. There, there shouldn't be another money book. Like, tell the money makeover is like the best one out there. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? What what my message should be? And so, I really wrote out of a struggle I was having, uh, and still sometimes do for sure of this comparison game, mm-hmm. and how we live in this life of social media and what we see on TV. And this again, kind of back to that standard of living that people have painted for us of like, well, I should be expected to go on vacation once or twice a year and go to this type of beach or go on this type of trip or drive this kind of car and because everyone else is doing it. I mean, when you look at everyone else's Facebook and Instagram, it's like this amazing life and here I am and I don't feel like I have that great of a life. Mine's not that exciting. And so a lot of people end up spending money they don't have to keep up that lifestyle that they think everyone else is living and that they're missing out on. And so I decided, okay, what is this comparison game? And so a lot of the book is about that, but it's about the, the subtitle is Seven Money Habits for Creating a Life You Love. Mm-hmm. So how do you put yourself in a position um, financially where you can have those great things? Because going on a great vacation, having a nice car, all that is okay. It definitely is. And and if that's something you want, a goal in life, then yeah, I want you to be able to work hard and do that. Um, but, but in the meantime, what do you do to stay content and grateful through that process? And what are the habits you need to take on with your money? And so it's been um, it's been so well received, which I'm so thankful for. I think people were sick and tired of playing the comparison game. And so to be able to kind of call it out and get people uh, habits to implement in their life financially uh, gave them really this, this path to walk on. And so it's been, it's been a fun, uh, a fun journey with that book. 
while people are waiting for the book to show up in their their mailbox, Rachel, give us a couple <laughs> habits or choices that you think, John, today, if I could talk into these ladies and these gentlemen at home listening to this podcast, maybe this is where I would begin. Where would you start? Well, the first big one is is kind of the title of the book, but it's quit the comparisons. I mean, you have to learn to stop comparing your life to everyone else's. And you have to learn that what you're seeing on social media is not always real. It's not always the entire picture. I mean, you see the read. Well, are you saying social media is fake? Are you saying that for real? <laughs> Shocking, isn't it? I know. Yeah, just a little. Drop just the a mic. Little, just a little. Right. So keep going. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's one of those things that you get sucked into and you're like, man, you know, they just went on this great vacation, or maybe they just completely redid their kitchen and renovated it. But what you're not seeing on the backside is the credit cards, you know, that possibly that they charged to, to go on that vacation, or even uh, the second mortgage they took out to redo that kitchen. You're not seeing what's happening on the other side, and that's what's difficult. And so you have to stop comparing your life to everyone else's and truly live yours, because, you know, comparison is a thief of joy, and that's a quote that um, I've heard for years and years and years, and it is. It's just so true. It's so it steals your presence. And so for me, quitting the comparisons is huge. Um, number two, st- uh, steering clear of debt. We kind of talked about debt earlier, but really learning to live a life within your means and learning to, um, to, to, to tackle the debt you have and then to make it a habit to stay out of it. Uh, also, one of my other favorite habits is to give a little until you can give a lot because giving is a piece of the puzzle a lot of people miss. And I hate that because giving is, really some of the most fun you will ever have with money. I talked about earlier how some things you think are going to fulfill you. It's like, oh, if I could just have that pair of shoes, I'd be happy. And you get that pair of shoes and it's like, oh, okay. Like three weeks later, there's just another pair of shoes, right? Oh, I mean, it does not fulfill that. But giving does. I mean, when you are selfless and you live with an open hand and you help someone who truly needs it, sometimes you do it anonymously. Sometimes you do it where they know it's you. But whatever the situation is, when you are giving, I mean, the joy that you get in that circumstance surpasses anything you can buy. It really does. And so it's powerful. And so the habit is to give a little, to start where you are, because you might be the one who is living paycheck to paycheck with credit cards and student loans, like we talked about. And as you're getting out of debt, sacrifice is so huge. But even while you're doing that, be giving something. And that way, when you are in a position to financially be able to really give a ton, it is, it's the most amazing feeling ever. And so giving a little until you can give a lot is a habit that I think we all need to take on. Rachel, you grew up in your dad's shadow to a degree and, and you would have been at conferences with people coming up in tears saying, Hey, Mr. Ramsey, look what you did for our family. You set us free. I'm curious, has there been a few times or a whole lot of times now where now you are the speaker, you are the author, you are the personality. And now people are coming up to you saying, Hey, Mrs. Cruz, uh, look what you've done for us. Thank you for freeing us. Is, is there a favorite story you want to share? Oh, goodness. You know, the the type of stories that I love the most that I get to hear from uh, are the young families that I get to talk to. And it's the ones with, you know, the, the five-year-old boy and the two-year-old girl and then the newborn baby. You know, it's this, it's this family and they've mm-hmm. gone on this journey of taking two years and they've gotten out of debt and you listen to the dad and he took on overtime. The mom started a small business from home just to earn some extra money. And she basically was a single mom for two years because he was working so much and sacrificed that. And so, you know, you, you watch this whole family play out and you're like, God, that they're exhausted. Like you look at that and you think, how did you do this? 
and they did it. And now I can look at those kids and say, like, I know what your life is going to be. Like, I know the future that you're going to have because of the sacrifices your parents made. Mm-hmm. Because I was you as a kid. I mean, my, my parents, you know, filed bankruptcy, for crying out loud. I mean, the worst of the worst happened to them. And yet they turned a corner. And because of that, my legacy has changed completely. And so seeing families who are doing it with young kids is my absolute favorite. Absolute favorite. You uh, are doing this now with your own young kids. You've entered into your third decade, and uh, you are official, dude. You're, you you made it. You're an adult. Talk about— know, Can you believe it? <laughs> c- c- no one saw this coming. Talk about what you—you you write a lot about adulting, adulting. What does adulting mean to you? Adulting. Yeah, we did a whole um, show from the Rachel Cruz show on this one topic because it was hilarious how it's like a verb now and people are using it all the time. Um, you know, a big thing for me of being an adult is taking on the responsibility of your life and not expecting other people to fix it mm. and to say, okay, it's up to me to pay for the mistakes possibly I made. Maybe I did go into crazy credit card debt in college and now it's up to me to get out of that. And now it's up to me to get the job that I've been dreaming of and working hard at a job I don't like as much, but it's prepping me for my dream job. It's up to me to make these life choices. And it's amazing when you stop making excuses and you stop blaming other people, when you really do take your life in and you say, God, put me where you want me. And I want to be faithful to what you're calling me to, but I am going to take a level of responsibility here and make good choices for my life. Um, when you do that, that's a very, very mature take on life. And, um, you know, talking to some people in their twenties and thirties, they, they haven't always taken that yet. And so that initiative is huge. And I think you truly grow up. And, and the crazy thing is, John, and again, you, you meet these people all the time. I'm like, I talked to 16 year olds who are adulting, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like, who are you? I'm like, you're 16. Right, teach me. You're amazing. Yeah. I mean, so so adulting for me is, is really that idea of just taking responsibility for your life. You, you said a moment ago, it's amazing when we stop making excuses and start taking responsibility for our lives. Is there a point that we can cross where it's too late? You know, like too late in our marriage, too late in our finances, too late in our jobs or savings or hobbies or whatever those turn-ons are in life that we wish we could go back and fix. Can we ever just get so lost or so buried that there's, there's no turning back or do you think there's always hope? No, I'd say there's always hope, always hope. I mean, if you've been on one path, a destructive path for too long, there might be more consequences, right? I mean, there might be more work um, to change that. But gosh, no, I mean, I, I, I believe there's grace and hope no matter, no matter your season of life um, and your age of life, for sure. Um, and, and it's up to you. I think, it, I think it can be harder when you've been in something for so long and it's been 30 years of this this funk you've been in in this one area of your life and you look up and you're like, can I get out of it? It might be harder to see the light, but man, it is there. Oh, I so believe that. It does not matter. It does not matter your age or how long you've been in that. You can change it and it's up to you. And that's the hard thing is it's that self-responsibility of saying, I have to believe. And so uh, the loss of hope is one of the scariest parts of life to me when I, when I talk to people. Is I don't mm-hmm. want people to lose hope because when you lose hope, uh, then you really believe all is done. Um, but if there's any glimpse that there possibly could be something different on the other side to keep pushing and keep working towards that. Rachel, my, my last two times to visit with your dad, last time you were about to have a baby. So you weren't at work the time before (laughs) that you were on the road speaking. So you weren't there. So my question on behalf of all the listeners with kids is how do you do it? 
How do you personally manage babies and marriage and personal finances and hobbies and work and speaking and writing and everything else? What what are your secrets? Um, My favorite quote, and it's kind of become like my life mantra in this area of life, is by my friend Christy Wright. And she always says that life balance is not about being 50-50. It's about being 100% present. And so for me, I have learned that when I'm home and I'm with my two girls and my husband, I'm home and Mm -hmm. my phone is not near me. I'm not checking email. I'm not looking on Instagram. I am with them and I'm present. And the TV sometimes is off. Every now and then we'll we'll turn on the Daniel Tiger or something if we need to be (laughs) relieved for a second. Is that for you or the kids? yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, is is to be present with them. And then when I'm at work, I'm at work and I'm focused and this is where I'm at. And so being present has really, really helped me because it helps me not regret where I'm not. You know, if you're sitting at work and all you're thinking about is home, 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 mm-hmm. home, I should be home, I should be home. You know, then then it's like, okay, it makes work not fun. Or if you're home and you're like, oh, I just want to be at work. I just want to be at work. It takes away from the present. And so for me, being present where I am is huge. And I've learned too that there's seasons of life. I mean, this idea that everything's going to be perfect every single day of the amount of balance you have between work and, you know, your, your family and your spiritual life and your hobbies and you know everything you listed. I'm like, it's not going to be perfect every single day. And sometimes month to month, it's going to be off a little bit. Um, so I know the seasons of my life and I'm pretty hard on them, if you will, because I, I know like traveling for me in the spring and fall, that's when I travel. Mm-hmm. And during the summer, I really kind of made this stop point of like, I'm not going to travel in the summer unless something really, really great comes up. I'll talk to Winston about it, but overall I want to be home. And so the seasons, uh, throughout the year even help me kind of get through, uh, some tough times if there are ones, uh, to know that it's going to change and that, and that weight is going to be different coming up. Rachel, for me, the the hardest thing, and I do it about 75 times a year, is to leave my home, leave my babies, kiss my wife, and hop on a plane. Why do you do that in your life? Why do you leave Nashville? Why do you hop on that plane? Why do you travel? And, and specifically, what's the one thing that you hope your audience, whether they read you, they hear you, they watch you speak sometime, what's that one takeaway that you hope is renewed within them? I would say that I'm able to, I love that picture you painted because it is, it's like your alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning because you have to catch a 6.30 I know, it's hard. What am I doing? Yeah, and you, you know, but man, I, it's like a supernatural thing for me in a sense. Like I feel so called to what I'm supposed to do that, I mean, majority, some days you just have bad days, but majority Mm -hmm. of the time I have such a peace when I'm doing it because I know there's people on the other side. I know that there's people sitting in that event or they're sitting on the other side of that screen when I'm taping a show and the content that I'm able to deliver to them, the information I'm able to give them is going to make their lives better. And Mm -hmm. thankfully I'm able to teach off of a proven plan that's been taught for over 20 years. And some people would argue even longer with (laughs) scripture and common sense. Right. Uh, But to really be able to give people um, this sense of dignity over their lives and especially with their money because the world has been giving us such mixed messages and frankly such lies that people have bought into and that's created this mess in their life and to know that I can help them on something so silly and shallow w- when it comes to grocery shopping, right? I mean, something that just mm-hmm. seems so whatever, that to 
this deep conviction of, of how do you truly sacrifice and get out of debt to how do you budget? How do you get in control of your income? All of those things we get to talk about. Um, I believe when people implement them in their lives, it makes their lives better. And to be able to help with that is just one of the greatest gifts I've get to be a part of in my life. Well, I've been opening up that gift for, for years following you and you, uh, you are a prolific vlogger. You've been using the old flip phone for a while. And unfortunately you just had a teary eye farewell to it. I, I saw your, your broken address where you had to say, I'm finally leaving the vlogging world. So why don't you uh, tell our listeners why you left and what you're up to now? Yes, we used to um, put out about two vlogs uh, a week on YouTube that were about five, six minutes long, just something around money. And yeah, we uh, said goodbye to that as a team. And now we are on to hopefully bigger and better things. We're shooting a full on half an hour show now. Um, where we have guests and different segments and teaching topics and, I mean, everything in regards to, to life and money. And it's called The Rachel Cruz Show, so it's on YouTube. So if you are a YouTuber, then you go subscribe to my channel and get notifications of when that comes out, and also on Facebook. So if you go like my Facebook page, you'll get notifications for that as well. But it's uh, been a really fun project. So we did actually have kind of a test, a four-test mm-hmm. episode, or a four-episode test before I went out on maternity leave this last time. And just to see if it worked. I'm like, I don't know if people will watch me for 30 minutes, you know, and what, what I'm talking about. Um, but it did. It worked. We had really fun things going on in the show, and people watched, which was great, again, to be able to get that content out. And so we decided, okay, let's make it a, a full-time gig. So right now it's just every other week. Actually, an episode, um, yeah, came out earlier. Um, but it's every other week now, and hopefully we'll – It'll be more frequent in the future. So we'll see. Rachel, this is my final question before we shift gears into what we call the Live Inspired Seven. But as you look forward to where your organization is going and to, to where your work is going, what what's most exciting? What, what, what's kind of keeping you up at night or getting, getting you up early in the morning to get after it? I really believe in the last probably 18 months, I've been seeing a little bit of a shift in culture and it's been small. I think I'll be in business for the rest of my life doing this work, but this shift of, of seeing people get it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the economy. I don't know if it's the white house. I don't know what's happening, but there is a small shift of people starting to be more conservative. I'm seeing, you know, stats that come out that twenties now have used their credit cards less and their debit cards more. I mean, I'm just seeing some, Mm -hmm. some, some statistics start to kind of come out with there's glimpses of hope that, wow, we might be getting this like as a country, as a culture, we might be getting this idea of, hey, what if we really live on less than we make? What if we really get out of debt? What if we are tremendous givers? I mean, you could put the government out of business if all of us came together as a country and said, we're going to be wise with the money we have and we're going to help people. And I feel like I'm just starting to see more and more of that. And it's so fun. So, so fun to see that. And for those who are hearing your voice and your message for the first time, this all sounds very Pollyanna. I, I would encourage those of us sitting back thinking that to learn more, to check out Rachel's work, to check out what Lampo Group is doing down there in Nashville and beyond, because uh, they're making it real. And story after story after story, society is beginning to turn a little bit. It's it's incredible to watch. So with that being said, Miss Rachel Cruz, I'm going to shift gears into what we call the Live Inspired Seven. You ready for it? Are you buckled up? Yes, I'm so ready. I'm very excited. <laughs> All right, be, be excited. Remain excited. Here we go. Number one, it's a layup question. What is the best book that you have ever read? 
oh my gosh, the best book I have ever read. Okay, I won't do a cop out. I was going to say the Bible, but we'll go. Act, we'll, we'll go other book. Let's. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And it, it can't have the last John, name Ramsey so on it hard. either. I'm literally in my mind. I'm like, I have marriage books in my mind. I have leadership books. I have business books. I have fiction books. Um, uh, best book I've ever read. Um, uh, okay, I'm just going to say right now in life that's helping me in business is the Ideal Team Player. Mm. I loved that book. Tell me about it. I'm, I'm unaware of it. Humble, Hungry, Smart. You haven't heard this? No. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay, so to be to have an ideal player te- on your team, so if you're in leadership or if you are working in a company, to be an ideal team player, you have to be hungry, which means you're working hard, you've got grit. You have to be humble, so that humility piece is huge, and you have to be smart. And not like knowledge smart, mm-hmm. but people smart. You know, have to know how to deal with people. And people that win in business are usually all three of those things. And you have one that, you know, is less for you, one that's more of a strength for you. Um, but yes, I loved that book. And it's a short read. It's, it's quick and it's great. This next question, it's almost like set up on a tee for you because you've moved from being a child into the world of adulting. So here we go, Rachel. Number two, what's one positive characteristic, one trait that you possessed as a child that you wish you still exhibited a little bit more brightly today. So it's a characteristic oh, or a trait man. that you had as a little baby, as a young woman, that you wish you maybe exuded a little bit more so today. I would say I was way more, or I shouldn't say way more, I was more spontaneous as a kid. Mm. Um, I had a lot more probably off-the-cuff fun and would do stuff and not be worried, and I think which is true. The level of responsibility you have as an adult is different. Uh, I wish I was able to have a little bit more uh, spontaneity in my life. Well, two babies and a busy, busy, busy work life will uh, occasionally pull away from some of the spontaneity. I think it's going to return. <laughs> I know, right? You right. always live in that reality. <laughs> yes, we, we live that reality. It's, a, it's an incredible reality. So here we go. Question number three is, if your home caught fire and your baby girls, your family, everybody's out, your animals are out, and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item. What one item would you grab? Outside. I'm sorry. Set the question up one more time. Did you say there's like a fire? Or That's right. So your general. home is on fire. Your, your family on fire. and your animals are out. They are safe. They are sidewalk yep. style. You have a chance to yep. want, run in and grab one thing. What's the one thing you would grab? Oh my goodness. These are good questions, John. I haven't thought about these. Let me think. Let me think. Um, I would run in and grab, I honestly would say our wedding albums because I have no idea where our negatives are, like where the (laughs) DVDs are with all of our wedding pictures. So I think I would grab those. That's awesome. It's perfect. If you could sit on a bench, overlook in a beach on a picture perfect day and have a long conversation with anybody living or dead, Rachel, who would you want to have that long visit with? I would say Christine Kane. Mm. Just met with Christine. <laughs> Today we have with us a remarkable, remarkable guest to help us, to inspire us, to encourage, to empower us to live inspired. This guest of ours is an activist and an advocate for women worldwide. She is the founder of A21 Campaign, a global anti-human trafficking organization with offices in a dozen nations. 
She's the recipient, listen to this one, of the 2017 Mother Teresa Memorial Award for Social Justice. She's an international speaker, author, activator. She's a powerhouse. Today, my friends, I have the pleasure of sharing with you a survivor, a fighter, a mother, and my friend. Her name is Christine Kane. Christine, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Hey, John, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be on the program. Tell me about Christine. Why would you pick Christine? Yeah. Oh, I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> and she knows it. <laughs> she is one of the most... I got her book today, so she's probably top of mind, honestly. But yeah. I've been around her a handful of times, and she's one of the most infectious, wonderful, God-fearing, bold people I've ever met in my life. And in the Christian space, she like she leans more charismatic, which I love. And I love hearing her talk about Jesus. I mean, she just makes me... I mean, everything about her, I'm like, I just want to be like you. She's someone I like. I want to be like, so I'd say her. That's awesome. And and if she was just talking, we could go to sleep in the back of church. But this woman is running forward and, and actually living out that message that she talks about. So she, is she not? She, she is insane. awesome. I mean, in a good way. I mean, she is just right. so, so amazing. Yep. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? I would say... Don't worry. Mm. You've got a great life in this next decade, so enjoy. Rachel Cruz, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. Rachel Cruz, how would you like your one sentence to read? I would say to be a person that other people are influenced by, be truthful, be strong, and be humble. Well, Rachel Cruz is and was indeed strong and humble and hungry and smart. You're an awesome mom. (laughs) You really are. You're an awesome presence, writer, speaker, leader, and friend. And we're so grateful you spent a little bit of your day with us at Live Inspired. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for having me on so much. I really, really appreciate it. Tell your dad, you can whisper to your dad hi, but I hope you yell and then give your mom a huge hug for me. Yes, I will for sure. Thanks so much, John. My friends, that was Rachel Cruz. This is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired. Well, my friends, I uh, I told you you would need an open mindset, open heart, open journal for this one. Rachel Cruz always brings the good. She always brings the heat, and she brings it from a completely authentic place. She is a busy mom. She is a busy bride. She is a busy leader in the community. And yet she also is the servant who is striving to learn in order to encourage others to do better in their own walk, whether that's in their finances, their faith, their relationships, their dreams, their jobs, their life. If you want to learn more about her story or uh, check out our notes from this podcast specifically, what I encourage you to do right now is uh, let your fingers do the talking, walk on down the line to johnolearyinspires.com. And while there, you can check out not only the show show notes from this podcast, but all of our previous podcasts. Again, it's johnolearyinspires.com. If you enjoy these podcasts as much as I enjoy bringing them to you, what I encourage you also to do is to rate them. It's a cool way that we have to elevate this message and make sure that others become aware of it. So in rating, in reviewing, and also in telling your friends, your family, the people you work with or worship with or work out with about Live Inspired with John O'Leary, 
not only will it elevate this message, but in doing so, it's going to elevate someone else's life. So thank you ahead of time for helping us carry this torch forward. We love having you part of our family. We are grateful to call you our friends. And we know, my friends, that the best is yet to come. This is good news. So for this time and until next time, this is John O'Leary. And today's your day. Live Inspired. Live Inspired.